brothers and sisters in God's family. Have you ever wanted God to talk right directly to you? This sermon series we're beginning today is actually God doing that. God talking directly to a group, groups of Christians. Uh, the sermon series we're beginning today actually comes from the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And Revelation is, is um, sometimes a hard book to go through. It, it's a lot of mystery involved with it. Um, I don't know if you like Marvel movies and, and the Marvel shows that they are, but if you like those kind of movies and shows, the, the more it goes on, the, the more they connect to past episodes and past movies. And there are all these references, maybe to actual comic books or these characters or these events. And you, to really know what's going on, you, you have to have seen all the rest that comes before it. It's kind of the same thing with the book of Revelation. In Revelation, there are over 500 references to other parts of the Bible. And you need to know what they are to really understand what's going on in Revelation. Revelation is written by the last surviving original of Jesus' disciples, John. John is in prison on the island of Patmos for, for sharing Jesus. And the rest of Christianity is not doing well. There's persecution. Christians are losing their businesses. Christians are losing their families. They're losing their lives because of their faith in Christ. And so John, uh, Jesus appears to John and gives great comfort, great assurance. He gives hope. Now, John has seen Jesus in his glory even before, but, but not like this. This is what John writes down. He says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool and as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. I, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So John wrote down what he saw. And then he wrote down what Jesus told him 
to write down. These seven letters to these seven churches is basically the sermon series we're going to look at. It's not the entire book of Revelation. It's just the first few chapters. And each week we're going to look at a different letter to a different church. And just like today, you know, churches have their own unique personalities, their own settings, their own problems. And as we look at these different churches with their different settings, their different problems, we're going to see very much that everything Jesus said to them applies to us as well. Now today we're looking at the first letter, letter to Ephesus, and, and the title we're giving it today is, it is the church of dead orthodoxy. I'll, I'll explain orthodoxy in a minute. But first let's talk about Ephesus. Um, the, the logo for this sermon series is actually a map. It's a little hard to see. It's a little dark. Oops. But the, the first church we're looking at is Ephesus. It's the church furthest to the left, furthest to the west. It's actually the largest church, that this, this or largest city in this area. It was the province for the Roman Empire called Asia. Today we call it Turkey. Actually, this church in Ephesus was one where the Apostle Paul had spent three years there. Because it was such a large hub, he used it as a base of operations to, to not only work with the church there, but to go out and, and start other churches in the area. But that was 45 years before John wrote Revelation. A lot had changed. And so Jesus himself has this letter sent to Ephesus. And we're going to look at this. We're just basically going to look line by line, verse by verse. This is what Jesus said. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Uh, one thing, the word angel, in the original Greek, it simply means messenger. So, so don't think of angel like a guardian angel or something like that. Uh, probably a better way to think of this is the pastor. Jesus has John write to the, the lead pastor in these seven churches. And this is what he says. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. He says he knows their deeds. He knows what they've gone through. He knows that they've stuck it out. They've persevered. You ever felt lonely? You ever felt like no one really understands what you're going through? Do you see what Jesus says here? He knows that. He, he sees you. If you're in a abusive relationship and no one knows about it and you're isolated from family, Jesus sees that. If you're struggling with, with relationships in school, Jesus knows that. If you have a hard time paying the bills, whatever it is you are going through, Jesus sees it. He, he knows it. He knew what those Christians in Ephesus were going through. 
And then he commended them. He, he praised them. He, he, he said, they've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. He found them false. He said he knows their hard work. He, they can't tolerate wicked people. He praises them for that. And this is actually where the, the word orthodoxy comes in. Orthodoxy means holding firm to the truth, not compromising, but staying true to what God says. Jesus continues in, in the same idea with the next verse. He says, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not gone, grown weary. They have, have stuck it through. They've persevered because of Jesus and for Jesus. And he praises them for that. But there's also a problem. Jesus says, yet I, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. They didn't have love. No love for Christ and no love for others. They had this need to be always right, but it was at the expense of love. Okay, th think of the first scripture reading I read today, 1 Corinthians 13. You remember what it said when, when there is no love? It's like we're a resounding gong, a cleaning symbol. It's no good, it's, it's, it's dead, it's, it's nothing. Or Jesus, in the Gospel reading today, quoting Isaiah, he talked about the, the, the religious leaders of his day that their hearts were far from him. When that happens, when, when the focus is on the need to be right, but there's no love, it creates this attitude of, of superiority of judgment, of, of looking down on others. And it is that attitude that, that just it negates anything you, you try to do good. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he called it right, this, this resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. I don't know if you ever were in band. But if you were, my guess is that those percussions in the back at times would just let go with those cymbals and the drums and it would just be really loud. Or, think of a parade. And, and the fire trucks go down and they have the sirens going and they're wailing on the horns and you, you can't hear anything else. That's exactly what happens. When it's all truth, but there is no love. All people do is react to the attitude when there's no love. Now, obviously, that, that can be true of, of a group of people, of churches. But it can also be true of us as individuals. You ever say something and you know it's right and it doesn't matter what other people feel or think or, or how they're going to react, you just say it because you, you're right. You ever post something on social media? Because you know it's right? Yeah, you know exactly what I mean. For us parents, that balance between truth and love is so difficult but so important. 
Because if, as parents, all we do is, is in love, what we end up doing is raising a narcissist that thinks everything is all about them. But if all we do is, is all about the truth and there's no love, then what we end up doing is, is raising a person who is, who is aggravated and resentful and abused. Children. You ever say something to someone else that's really mean? Maybe to a classmate? Maybe to your parents? There's a Bible verse that really sums this up. and It's the key. And if you've ever gone through a pre-marriage class with me, I've talked about this verse a lot. It's actually a verse that was originally spoken to this church in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul 45 years before this. Is it this? Simply to speak the truth in love. Anytime that we speak the truth but there is no love there, it's wrong. Anytime we do that as a church, it's wrong as well. And so Jesus says, consider far, how far you have fallen. Repent. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus says repent. Change, that's what repent means. And see how far you've fallen. Okay, this church in Ephesus had fallen a long way. And God knew that. Forty-five years before this, the Apostle Paul had written to them, and he said this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, he knew of their love for Christ. He knew of their love for others. But something had happened. Over those decades, something changed, and somehow doing the right thing, teaching the right thing, was there without love. You and I really are no different. There's no difference between any of us, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There have been times that we've all said things without love, We've done things to our children, to our parents, to a co-worker, to someone, random stranger on the internet. And we've done it without love. Jesus had a very specific warning, warning for this church in Ephesus. He said if, if they wouldn't change, if they wouldn't repent, the lampstand would be taken away from them. The church would be taken away. And Ultimately, that's what happened. There is no Christian church in Ephesus today. Jesus does have one more commendation, one more thing to say in praise of them. He said, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Well, we really don't know much about the Nicolaitans. Um... Somehow, whatever they taught, whatever they did, God hated it. And so whatever they were teaching, whatever they were doing was not in line with God's Word. 
God hated it, and so did the Ephesians. The truth was important to them, very important to God. And so finally, Jesus gives them, and and He gives us, a comforting promise. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. It says, listen to what Jesus says. And then it says, to, to the one who is victorious. Um, the original Greek word could also mean to the one who, um, who prevails, who, who lasts. Jesus will give to him, give to them the, the right to eat from the, the tree of life in the garden. Heaven is what he's talking about. The children this last week in vacation Bible school, every lesson had, had kind of a, a food theme, but the last lesson was the key one. It's the last lesson of that eternal banquet in heaven, that, that eternal party, that, that feast that he has prepared for us. That is what Jesus promises. It's not a, something we invite ourselves to. It is something that Jesus himself gives. Which reminds me of how Jesus described himself uh, earlier in Revelation. I don't know if you remember this. He said, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. Jesus was dead. He suffered that, that horrible, painful death. Not because of what he had done, but because of everything we had done. Because of the times that we say, and there's no love there. Because of the times that we act with no love. Because of the things we do. Because of all our sins every day. Jesus was dead. But then he rose. He is alive. Forever and ever. His victory then. His victory over sin, death, and and the devil is then our victory. Heaven is ours. So, if you keep on reading in Revelation throughout all those chapters, you're going to find a lot of hard things. Hard things to understand. Some confusing images maybe. But the main point of Revelation is really easy to figure out. The main point of Revelation is this. Jesus wins. And His victory is our victory. So, when, not if, when, you you type something and you're ready to hit send, When, not if, you, you um, want to say something without really thinking. Remember what Jesus did and what He has waiting for you in heaven. That is truth. And that is love. And, and then I hope that remembering that, that might give you that moment to just pause before you hit send. 
It might make you think twice before just blurting out something. Before you do whatever you do, I pray that you remember to speak the truth, but to do it with love and humility. Just as Christ has done with us. Amen.